0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Coffee and Conversations, where we look at the intersection between relationships, faith, and leadership. I am one of your co-hosts, Michael Clark.
1: And I'm Christian Harden. Thanks for joining us.
0: Well, welcome again. We're so glad that you have joined us for another episode. We have missed being with you guys. We had mm-hmm. great plans to start out the year differently, didn't we, Christian? We did. and, and it Instead, did.
1: it was a quarantine. It was a quarantine.
0: It didn't and happen. Everybody's feeling better. We <laughs> We're are. so grateful for that. Um, and we hope you're doing well, it also, um, those that are listening. Just a reminder, you can reach out to us. We'd love to hear your uh, thoughts, suggestions, ideas. You can email us at coffeeconvospodcast at gmail.com.
1: Christian, you brought a special coffee in here today. I did. Um, if you live in a Knoxville, Ooh. over off Fellowship North, there's a coffee truck set up. Sure, And is. that's Bryn. And Bryn had a special roast today. Guatemalan Reserve. He, he didn't tell me what the farm was or anything, but Guatemalan Res- Reserve, and it is delicious.
0: It is. I'm yeah. really enjoying he it. He said
1: the tasty notes were strawberry jam and chocolate. Hmm. So, not sure if I got that one, but yeah, it tastes great. <laughs> <laughs> I love me some coffee. <laughs> we're appreciative of Bryn. We sure are. All they do for us. So,
0: anyone in the area here, definitely go and check them out. They've had some great uh, seasonal beverages, and I hear about more coming up. Uh, throughout 2021. Oh, I'm so glad to be able to say that. Yeah. And today uh, we're going to kick off uh, our first podcast for the year uh, just talking about what does it look like um, when things are getting started. Hmm. And uh, we have someone that, you know, is near and dear to my heart. My my very own dad is in the studio, Christian's grandfather. um, And he's, you know, I've heard the stories, but I think so many of us can be reminded and encouraged by Man, I really feel like this is in my heart or destiny to do. Where do I begin? Where do I start? And um, you know, that's one of the beautiful things that that I've watched. And, and I would love for you just to share a little bit with us, Dad. Um, his name's Bill Clark. I'll call him Hello. Dad probably throughout the podcast. Yeah. But that's th- okay. Thanks for joining us.
2: Oh, it's good to be here. Good to be here. It's early for me. It is early for good you. <laughs> it's like
0: it's
1: seven a.m. for him.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's earlier for a. It's early for a couple of our listeners. Yeah. I think they're listening in the afternoon.
1: Yeah. That's just my
0: guess. <laughs> on the way home. Yeah, let us know. Yeah. Email us. <laughs> Email us. Christian will let me know. Well, tell us a little bit. You know, we're we're both, um, we're all three sitting here in the office of KIKO, Knoxville Intercity Kids Outreach, which um, you and my mom, Janice Clark, started going on 26 years now. So it's been over 25 years. Uh, we've completed the 25th anniversary. But I remember those early days as a kid, you know, in the house and, and what it was like. But uh, just for our listeners to be encouraged by, tell a little bit about how did that come about? And one of the things that we always love to talk to our uh, guest about is the people that invested in you along the way mm-hmm. to get you where you're at. And I know those are probably in this story as well. Um, so as you highlight those, we'll, you know, I'll probably make mention of that. But t- just share a little bit about that story.
2: Well, the story... I guess you'd have to, if you're going to talk about people that invested in our lives, you'd have to go back to Nashville. We had not moved to Knoxville yet. Um, And Janice was uh, in school at the University of Tennessee Nashville campus, which is now has been absorbed into the Tennessee State University uh, system there. But uh, Janice and I, I traveled. Uh, I was a heathen. Just put it straight up, and uh, you know we were having some struggles, and she was uh, she was feeling it. And I guess the the first encounter that we really had, um, she met her professor, her biology professor, Dr. John Millett, um, who was an interesting guy. As we got to know him, Uh, he was an African American. Uh, professor at Tennessee State University, teaching adjunct at UTN, and um, he was—he was, he was just—he was a spirit-filled Catholic mm. brother, and you know, kids took his class as Janice said, who didn't need biology at all, just because they were drawn to him. Wow, um, which is a—is uh, this profound. the '60s? Uh, when is this? This is the <laughs> '70s, maybe. Yeah, it's the okay. '70s. Um, and, and, uh, 75, 75. 75 okay. Yeah. And Dr. Millette as he met Janice at the door, he made a comment to her, asked her how she was doing. And because she and I weren't doing very well, she just burst out in tears. Hmm. And at the risk of losing your job as a professor at a public university, a state university, Dr. Millette just reached out to Janice and, uh, Uh, just encouraged her and and told her uh, that God had a plan for her life and uh, just, you know, began to minister to her right there in the doorway, (laughs) just the two of them. And uh, as she said on the way home that night, she stopped at Kmart and bought a Bible, (laughs) and she met Jesus in our bedroom. I'm out of town. Uh, Don't -hmm. have any idea any of this is going on. But I know that when I got home, uh, on Friday weekends, we normally fought all weekend, mm-hmm. and uh, that was the first weekend that she didn't play fair. She didn't fight back, and some, I knew something had happened in her life. She, she, Something incredible had changed her, and um, I think the more we went, the further we went, the more I realized she'd found something that I needed, too, hmm. so... Dr. Millett played a huge part. He actually had another student call Janice and and just reach out to her and tell her about this church in Brentwood, Tennessee called the Lord's Chapel. Had another Uh, student reach out. Another student reach out to her. Yep. That's great. I mean, this is a guy that is, he's all in. Yeah. And uh, he uh, this student encouraged Janice. There was a particular Sunday where she went to... The Lord's Chapel and I went looking for an apartment uh, my plan was we were we were done uh, that was my plan <laughs> wasn't God's plan so uh, as she's doing that we, we came back together and we, we, were, we didn't hate each other we just were disconnected and uh, you know, of course you come to realize that the connecting link is God that's when you really are the the triune part of the connections is made when it's husband wife and God in the middle Mm -hmm. and holding them together but um it was really interesting that uh I gotten back from looking for a place hadn't found anything and um she she we were going to go see a, a movie and uh she asked me, she said, I really like this church. Would you go with me to their evening service and then we'll catch the late show? And I'm like, eh, okay, no big deal. Um, we went to the Lord's Chapel and uh, it was the first night that uh, their new youth pastor, Mike Nelson, had just come from uh, uh, Campus Crusade at uh, the University of Arkansas and uh Mike spoke that night, and I'll never forget his message. He said that the church was created to kiss frogs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I
1: feel like we heard that
2: you know the, the 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 situation where there's been an evil spell cast on all of us, mm-hmm. and we're all frogs. <laughs> and uh, after he finished, I mean I, I mean, this whole place was just unbelievable. Uh, it was uh, it was a hodgepodge of christianity their their midweek service was on tuesday night because the baptists wanted to come too (laughs) it was that interesting the the pastor there was billy roy moore another brother who really sold into our lives um and that night mike as he talked about the frog situation i went up to him afterwards and i said i'll just be honest I've, i've never Felt more like a frog in my life <laughs> than <laughs> I do right now, and so we exchanged phone numbers with the idea that we were going to talk. And and uh, I'm not in youth. I'm not a youth. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I'm you know. Uh, I was born in, at such a time that 75 was was I was you know. Uh, young a adult. young adult. Yeah. yeah. But he was certainly willing to invest in me. I guess that was. The Holy Spirit at work, knowing, letting Him know that there was an opportunity here, and uh, he he and I met, and I helped him put a bookshelf together in his new apartment, um, where he and Jody were, his wife, were going to live. And uh, it was really funny. He uh, he told me, you know, at, after we talked, and I told him just how messed up life was for me, and he said, you know. I really don't have answers for you, but I know who does and he'd really pushed me steered me to to start a relationship with the Lord that I did not have yeah um, I mean there's so many things that happened along that time wow. but uh,
0: but then you guys ended up in Knoxville yeah no longer at that church but Faith had been formed. Oh, clearly in your life, and and was now a priority. Yeah, and the relationship had changed at home. And
2: oh, yeah, uh, we even renewed. Brother Moore uh, even helped us. We renewed our vows. Wow. Uh, and and all of this happened, uh, you know, pretty much before our last two kids were born. Yeah. Uh, they. Which they I'm were, the youngest. You are the youngest. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sounds it, like sounds like a fence post. It is. It is. Oh, it's definitely a fence post for our entire our our entire side of the family. Oh, absolutely. Um, it definitely morphed and changed yeah. who yeah. we are, yeah. who I am. And I went back after the uh, tornadoes. Christian, you were with me. We mm-hmm. were taking a young man to a an arts a festival to display his his Christian skills <laughs> of rap. And um, yeah. the tornadoes had just come through and had really wreaked havoc in that area where the church was but it was really neat to be able to go and get some pictures of for me where I would even trace my my foundation Uh, even if I wasn't born I wasn't born yet I'm the result of the seeds that were planted in their life in that building and in that spiritual community
2: yeah and and let's not confuse that's not we're not talking about the Lord's Chapel in Brentwood now we're actually talking about a small Methodist yep. church, Dodson Chapel, yeah. in Hermitage, where we lived, and uh, they they had another interesting guy, uh, Doctor Jim Hayes, who was the goofiest, most well educated, uh, neatest guy hmm. that that probably I, one of one of certainly that I've ever met, and uh, he's another who. Just yeah. poured into us, and that community became such an integral yeah. part of our life. Um, you were little when we were there, and Jim and Marilyn had five daughters, and they took turns taking you home from church and bringing you back for Sunday night service. And uh, <laughs> you were you were a church baby, raised that way.
0: Yeah, I've got a few of those now myself. <laughs> you know, so we fast forward a little bit because there is the. There is this, the genesis of our faith that is so uh, pivotal for us, discovering our purpose, our design, what God uniquely created us for. Uh, but then there's, there's other things along the way that are continuing to be those fence posts, those red dots, yeah. as we've talked about. Um, what were some of those like? Because we're sitting in an office that is primarily focused on um, mobilizing hope and the message of what you're saying transformed your life to – youth that live in our center city in our urban communities um and so, so how did that how did it get from what god was doing in your lives to a call to do something in your own community and city
2: i think probably the next as you call them fence post um we were here in knoxville we we saw uh in charisma magazine a conference coming up in indianapolis um and, I mean, it was called the, the I mean, we had no business going to it. I'm a salesman for a collection agency, and Janice is a stay-at-home mom. But we were just drawn to it. Uh, it was that uh, the conference was going to be held at what was then called the Hoosier Dome, hmm. which is now Lucas Field, I guess, uh, home of the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. And uh, it was called the North American Congress on the Holy Spirit and World Evangelization. That's, yeah, that's a I lot. I'm not even sure what that means. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: that sounds well, important.
2: We didn't know what it meant either, but they did offer Bible Bowl for the kids. I went to that, so Michael yep. and Meredith were able to go to that. Sure yeah, did. and uh, we went to the conference, and you know there were a lot of heavyweights there. Uh, Vincent um uh, mm. was was one of the speakers wow. at that conference. I had him as a
0: professor. Yeah. Wrote, he wrote the books for my oh, classes. Uh, yeah, I know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> he's he's a heavyweight. Wow. Uh but but what captivated us was a guy named Bill Wilson who looked like a leftover from the Beatles era. He had kind of a page boy <laughs> haircut and uh long hair. Yep. And uh he in fifteen minutes he literally shared what had drawn him to the worst part of New York City, a place called Bed-Stuy in Brooklyn, New York, to, to reach inner city kids. And he shared enough stories that, like I said, in 15 minutes, he pretty much took your heart out of your chest and handed it to you. And it's like, now what are you going to do? Yeah. And uh, it, just, it just blew us away. Uh, like a lot of ministries, uh, only here in the States, they had opportunity to sponsor a child, which lets you connect and send notes of encouragement and gifts and things like that. And um, it, we we did that. We sponsored a little girl at Metro, was then called Metro Ministries, in uh, Brooklyn, New York. Uh, they they have grown to Metro World Child now because they're all over the world, literally. Yeah, but Nisi,
0: um, I remember the little girl's name. Yep, Nisi. We got to go visit her. <laughs>
2: Yep, and uh, I think that was a that was a certainly a, a fence post, a pivotal moment. And from that, um, wasn't long after that that Janice was walking through the house one day, and she really sensed an urging to go back to school. Both of us were college dropouts at that point, and so she and and specifically, she felt like she was supposed to study missions. Uh in my mind, or actually in her mind, she saw us going to some country where there were colorful birds and we were going to be on the mission field. <laughs> um, who knew? Uh, but that led to a situation where she was, as she was walking through the house, um, I think 700 Club was on, and, uh, you know, we, we didn't have money to send her to school, but the Holy Spirit spoke through somebody on that show. I don't remember if it was Pat Robertson or who it was, but said there's a woman out there who feels the Lord calling you to go back to school, and the Lord wants you to know don't worry about the money. And, I mean, that's, you, you know, you start getting things like that yeah. happening, and it gets weird That's why in a hurry. Wow. wow. But yeah. when we realized that just... Within short driving distance from us was a place called Johnson Bible College. Yeah, <clears throat> And Johnson was one of the best kept secrets yeah. on the planet. I mean, uh, because Janice had done well in high school, even though she had flunked out of college, uh, her scores, her test scores and things qualified her for scholarship money that was just you know, blew us away in in such a way. And then there were other scholarships available so that uh, the money that we did have that we could afford to divert to that was enough. Uh, you know, I, I've learned I, over the years, I've learned to see God's hand in a lot of things. And, you know, when he makes what you, the little that you have enough or more than enough, you know he's in the middle of this yeah. thing. So... She began a journey at Johnson studying Bible and missions. You get a dual credit degree, I think, like that. But one of the things that you had to do in order to uh, complete the graduation requirements was to do um, an internship and, and a cross-cultural internship in missions. And so most of the kids at Johnson, I mean, they were going to the usual Guatemala, Guatemala like the coffee, Um, they were going, you know, Belize and Russia and things like that. Janice felt drawn to go to Brooklyn, Mm. to Metro. And so (laughs) we contacted them. They had an internship getting ready to start. And don't you know that somebody had just dropped out?
1: Mm. A spot became available.
2: Yes, one spot was available. And... We uh, pretty much burned up a fax machine, faxing in you mm. know pastoral references and all <clears throat> that stuff to to get her accepted, and packed her up and took her down to the Greyhound bus station and put her on a bus yep, to New York that. City, and uh, she was there for a month in the summer of 1994, and it was from that as as she started, she she'd call me. And we'd talk at night and, you know, I don't know how these people do this. I could never live like this. Now, mind you, we're living out in Holston Hills at the time and still do. And and she's talking about the, you know, people that get up at 6 in the morning. The staff there. The staff there. Oh, yeah. yeah the, the staff and the other interns, they're getting up early. They do ministry all day long they put the buses or the vans or whatever in the parking pen and they go to bed at midnight and they get up at six in the morning and do it again. And she said, I don't know how they live like this. You know, the floors in the tenement buildings they were living in would rot out and they'd just slap a piece of plywood over it and nail it down and on we go. Keep on going. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. And so when she finished her internship, towards the end of it, I remember a conversation we had, and her statement was, she said, through tears, how can we continue to live the way we live when there's kids right down the street from yeah. us who don't know Jesus? Yeah. And so—
0: Those experiences that open your eyes yeah. and you can't unsee No, opportunity and no.
2: yeah. Uh, it was funny that the same year that she did that internship, we went up there in, in November for Thanksgiving— and I, I remember, we were we were such dutiful. You know, we're, we're making such sacrifice. We're not going to have our traditional Thanksgiving meal. We had a can of Denny Moore beef stew that we were going to share for Thanksgiving, and uh, it was. I remember going out. We wound up going out with one of the staff members to a Puerto Rican family because mm-hmm. they'd given out a bunch of turkeys, and uh, they just wanted to get some photos and just some comments from the families and they insisted that we stay and eat with them of course and they served us first Mm. and it was you know red beans and rice and turkey and you know (laughs) it it was amazing
0: that's a Puerto Rican Thanksgiving yeah
2: Yeah, it is it is it was cross-cultural for sure but I remember leaving that that headed home and Janice looked over at me and she said are you okay and I said you mean other than the fact that we're driving across the Verrazano Bridge coming out of New York, and I said, you mean other than the fact that I can't see? <laughs> My eyes were just filled with tears of, of, in a week, meeting kids that just hugged you and begged you not to leave, mm-hmm. to stay there. It, it just ripped your heart out. Mm-hmm. And I think that, again, this is another, you know, one of those point moments where you begin to realize— not what's important, but who's important on, on this earth. And that God's heart is for the kids. And he, he just began to plant something deep inside both of us. And we got back home and uh, just knew, just down the street from us, there, was, uh, <clears throat> there were tons of kids. And they were living in places uh, where, you know, shootings were a common occurrence uh, gang activity, you know, it was all there. All the, all the, all the recipe for disaster for their lives was around them. And it was to that that we began to feel called. Um, a lot of those properties were managed by KCDC, Mm -hmm. Knoxville Community Development Corporation. And so, uh, we actually reached out to them and set up a meeting, um, with a, a gentleman I can't even remember his name today Larry something but uh, he met with us and we explained what we in our hearts what, what we envisioned doing was starting with a Christmas program just an outreach and we wanted to do it in two places um, and he you know he he listened to us and uh, he said I'll get back to you and when he called he said he'd met with Uh, Fred de Brule, who was then the CEO, and because of all the federal funding that KCDC is involved with, they said, you know, we can't just invite somebody in with the message like you're talking about, but we like your idea. So we'd like to set up a meeting with the head of the Citywide Tenants Council, because if the tenants invite you in, then that doesn't, involve us at all.
0: That's on the residents.
2: That's exactly. And so I I thought, this sounds like something God might be smack dab in the middle of. So we set up the meeting. It's very nice. uh, uh, African American lady from Lonsdale community, uh, Janice Muncy, uh, met with us and she listened to our idea. We told her we wanted to uh, have a program uh, for a couple of places and We were gonna reach out to the kids. We wanted to, you know, visit them, invite them to come. Every kid that came was gonna get a stocking filled with toys, candies, uh, you know, candy, and uh, all of it was about the the birth of Jesus, the story, the the greatest gift. And that, it it was interesting, we even were speaking about those stockings prophetically because we didn't have stockings or money to buy stockings. (laughs) That's where your alma mater came in. Yeah. Uh, At the time, C.A.K.'s middle school Mm. uh, did a -a rent-a-raker thing, and they raised $500 to buy the stockings and the toys and the candy. And then we had at my office uh, in the conference room there in the office building, we had a big assembly party, and we stuffed stockings and stapled them and got them ready to go. Wow. So all of that came out as as a connection to C.A.K. (coughs) Yeah. There's a lot of... A lot of people involved in getting this off the ground yeah um but you know after we we met with miss muncie she's sitting there and she says well that sounds really good but i've got a couple of questions and i said okay and the first one she said was we have a lot of churches that pick our kids up and take them and They come back and they tell their mama and their mama tells me, I don't ever want to go back there again. They were mean to me. They made me stand in the corner Hmm. or they yelled at me. And she said, you know, our kids don't know how to behave in church. It's not part of their culture for them right now, for so many of them. She said, what are you going to do Mm -hmm. if I let you do this? And they start acting out. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, if I don't answer this question right, we're probably not even going to question number two. So I just said, well, you know, it's been my experience that kids that act out, especially in a group setting, they're just screaming for attention. They want somebody to affirm them. And so we're going to have people. Again, speaking prophetically, we're going to have people sitting out there that are going to be able to put their arm around them and say, hey, come on, let's get back in here. Let's focus in, and, and this is going to be good. <clears throat> and she said, okay, oh, I like that. She said, i got one more question. And I said, uh, well, what's that? She said, we have a lot of churches that start things, and when they don't go the way they expected them to, they quit.
1: Hmm. And
2: she said, if I let you do this, and it doesn't go the way you hoped it would, how, how, what are you going to do then? Wow. And I thought, what an indictment against the church. Yeah. I said, well, Miss Muncy, be honest with you, my wife just finished four years of Bible college and an internship in New York. We hadn't talked to the first kid. So the truth of the matter is that if you let us do this, you're going to have to run us off. Hmm. And she said, I like that. And uh, the last comment she made was she said, But I am not gonna let a bunch a couple of crackers go walking through the hood and get themselves in trouble. She says, I'm gonna go visit the kids with you. Mm. And she did that. She walked uh we we were hoping that Walter P. Taylor homes on the east side because that's closest to us. Yeah. She picked that one and she picked where she lived, in Lonsdale Homes. Yeah. <clears throat> and so she walked with us, and we visited all the kids, handed out flyers we printed. And uh, we did two Christmas outreaches that year. Uh, amazingly, <clears throat> they, the, the Boys and Girls Club at Walter P. Taylor Homes was where we did our first sign. Yeah. And the club director there uh, liked what we did enough that he said, Will you come back and do something else? And the only time we could do it, because I was working and and, uh, it just worked that way, was on a Saturday. So we had a key and the security code to the Boys and Girls Club at Walter P. Taylor in that early day. And we started our program, uh, Park West Church, where we attended. We wound up with a borrowed PA system. And we hauled it in the Mazda minivan that I had. And we took that equipment and set it up every Saturday and did what we called Super Saturday Sunday School. And it was amazing to watch the kids come. And week after week, uh, it was just encounters with kids. I remember some of the early days, man, praying with kids... You know, asking them if they had any prayer requests, and they'd come up at the end, and you pray with a little girl whose daddy's in jail, and she's so wanting him out. And the next week, you go back, and she comes running up. He, he heard us. He answered our prayer. Mm. My daddy got out of jail. He's back home. And I mean, you're just wow. you're just watching this happen, and you're melting. Yeah. Just seeing God at work, because He wants these kids to know that He loves them. Yeah. Unconditionally, yeah. were they a mess? Heck yeah, weren't we all? <laughs> but yeah. uh, you're just learning to start with what you have. You don't have to. You don't have to wait till everything falls into place to make it something uh, good and, and real.
0: Yeah, you just start where you are. You know, growing up, seeing it happen. I've <coughs> I've heard you guys self describe. You know, I was. I was the sales manager for a collection agency. Nothing special about me. You always said you were a step below Matthew, the tax collector, you yeah. know, <laughs> or yeah. bill collector.
2: Despised by all men. <laughs> yeah.
0: and, and my mom, a stay-at-home mom, um, not uh, you know teaching Sunday school at a church, not you know a camp director or doing any of these things, but, but feels a call to go back and study missions after the seeds were deposited. You know, from uh, that conference, and and the Lord knew, God knew, right? Yeah. And and even before Dr. Millette, you know, encountered her going into a class in one of the darkest hours of of y'all's uh, life, God still knew. God yeah. God already knew what was. Preordained and what you were fashioned for in the design, and and I do I, I, I hear a lot of folks like man I really have this in my heart and um, I just I, I had I had lunch yesterday with a young lady and she's like but I just don't feel qualified <laughs> I don't feel I feel like I still need to be in the wilderness of preparation and, and I'm like oh sweetie if you even if you just knew you know who me, God chooses to use let me
2: let me tell you about that you you brought up another story um, there was a group of a uh, Christian businessman that had a prayer breakfast once a month that I was a part of. And I remember about six months after we had started Kiko, going to that, and uh, I was just talking. And I said, guys, I, I, we really need your prayers. I said, We are way in over our heads. We have no idea what we're doing. And we are so unqualified. And there was a guy named, uh, I'm trying to think, Ken, can't think of his last name anyway, but he was a pastor, pastoral type person and very much, much involved in prayer ministry. And uh, he just sitting over there, he said, brother, you got it all wrong. He said, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Yeah, You got to answer the call. And then he'll give you what you need. Yeah. He'll change you to be who you need to be. Yeah. And I thought, Wow.
0: Well And that and that doesn't mean that man when he's called you to start a ministry or partner with people in the city that it's well I've got to wait till I have a building and a budget and a board Uh, you know that it may never happen if you wait till that day you're exactly right but he uh, you know God always hear that God directs the moving car not the parked car you Mm -hmm. know he can't direct you if you're not moving Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah and that's what I saw that's what I saw you guys start with what we had Um, didn't have a vehicle didn't have a building operated out of our house in your personal van and said, "Hey, here's what the Lord's dropped in our heart. Well, sh- you can borrow our equipment. Just bring it back so we can use it on Sunday morning for kids' church. And well, what about your curriculum? Can we borrow that too? And you know, and and so just just to see that you started with what you had, and God would say, you know what, I I'll." I'll it's money that follows ministry. Absolutely. And it's not vice versa. Absolutely. Um, And so I think there's people right now that are listening that God's put something in their heart to do um, because he's fashioned and designed them for it. Um, And I think they're going to be encouraged to hear that they just start with what they have. They just start with where they're (laughs) at. But that's so good.
1: And you never know where it's going to go. And you don't. we look to today and we have...
2: It, It was ironic when we started with two sites... Um, and and Walter P became the one that rose up and, and stuck.'ve we've, we've been there since day one. We've never left Walter P. Taylor's <clears throat> since 1995 that Christmas and interestingly enough, uh, you know when when I'm working a full-time job and traveling a lot and on weekends Saturday my Saturday is consumed with that Sunday school and then soon after we, Right up the street was Austin Homes, and so we started there in the rec center. And so we were doing back-to-back sites. And God just began, you know, I'm wearing out. Mm -hmm. My flesh is is weak, and I'm wearing out. And uh, I'm trying to figure out how to cut this back. (laughs) (laughs) And this group of businessmen, this, this prayer breakfast group, one of them lived down the street from us who owned a cardboard box company and he was looking for a truck and he happened to have one sitting in his driveway one night and uh, it was an old box truck and I stopped and looked at it uh, a lot like what Metro in New York used for their sidewalk Sunday schools and you know uh, the next that next Saturday morning was the meeting and I just happened to tell. I said, Jim, I hope you don't mind. I think I drooled on that truck in your driveway, uh-huh. <laughs> and and uh, he was telling me about it. He it was one that he had gotten from a de- you know a, a used car dealership, and he was just looking at it. wasn't going to work for him because it had pinholes in the top, and you can't haul cardboard boxes in a truck that leaks. Yeah. So, as we're sitting there, <clears throat> one of the brothers says. Fellas, I believe the Lord wants us to buy Brother Bill a truck. Mm. And he put down what he was willing to put in it, and they passed a pad around that table. And when the pad got back to him, they had spent $4,500 buying that used truck that leaked like a sieve. (laughs) That, And the only way to fix it up when we got connected with the right person, um, Butch Burson, Put spray on bed liner on the top of it to <laughs> seal up the pinholes. Uh, when we pulled all the rotten plywood out, it, the top collapsed. So <laughs> the Home Depot's, you know, uh, put po- ponied up plywood yeah. for it and got it, you know, we got it relined and rebuilt and we bought cabinetry and just yeah. different things and built that truck out. Uh, and it, it became the first mobile. Sunday school. So yeah. in my mind, we're going to cut back. You're ready to scale back. I'm ready to scale back. And we went from two to five sites <laughs> with the truck. And and uh, we did three on Saturday, wow. back to back to back, and two during the week. Wow. And, and it was just insane.
0: Um, this is with all volunteers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's what's well, incredible. I mean, the
2: first five years, we didn't even have a paid staff member. Yeah. We thought we were yeah. being smart and frugal. And uh, people
0: waiting to start a ministry are looking to to see that they're going to be funded to do it. yeah and, and it's just uh, <laughs> No, it's not always uh, that way.
2: No, it's not always that way at all, yeah. but it's amazing the kids from those early days, the kids that came those first two Christmases, send their kids to Sunday school now,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah.
2: So, and some of their kids even send their kids. Yeah. I mean, it's like that. And it's just generations. Now. Yeah, it's yeah. generations starting to, to connect to the ministry yeah. that is designed just for them.
0: And we'll talk about this in our next podcast. But we're it, it starts with the yes yeah. in someone's life. And for you guys, it was the yes of Dr. Millette to the Lord and to say, I will be your witness if it cost me my job, he dropped a seed. (laughs) He dropped seeds. Uh, others watered it. The Lord caused it to grow. Um, and I remember you guys got the opportunity to go and visit his family and talk about the the impact that his seeds had had on people that he would never know until heaven and and share a little bit about that. Well,
2: he, he wound up, you know, passing away by the time I, I realized, That that I needed to share with him. Yeah. What had happened, but we did get to speak with his daughter. Wow. And to tell her, you know, our story of how he had transformed our family because of his relationship with the Lord personally and publicly, willing to reach out to us, to Janice, and and as we. We're talking. I said, you know, your dad has such a a legacy and a deep heritage. He has no idea how many spiritual godchildren yeah. he has in the city of Knoxville, Tennessee, because of his faithfulness in reaching my wife yeah. with the love of God that was in his heart. Yeah. It was just, and she's on. She's in tears, and I'm in tears, telling her. Yeah. It was just that kind of a. Uh, an encounter and just think, you know, she was so appreciative to hear that. Yeah. I mean, how many people want to know that, that
0: your life made a difference? It, oh yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. And to know you that your to daddy that. touched myriads of people. Yeah.
0: Uh, and who's, and who knows, you know, the, the thousands in our city whose trajectory of eternity is different um, as a result uh, of his willingness yeah. um, to be bold and I know my life is different because of it because yeah. of the walk with the Lord that um, that began in, in mom's life and your life and and now my kids there's another generation I mean, so it's I love it I love it I love
2: seeing your kids come with you to Sunday school and and to youth group and to connect with the kids that we minister to and they get to realize and and it's it to me it's a great role modeling for them to realize that here's Michael and Candy, a mom and dad, and their kids, and they all do ministry. Yeah. Even the kids.
0: Yeah. Uh, you
2: know, it, it just it models something that they don't see. Yeah. Where they live.
0: And, and uh, it's it, it's not a um, it's not a a complex of of where the Savior's coming in, but to us it is. We will never be able to reduce ignorance unless we create experiences um, that give them a different outlook on life. And yeah. right now our nation needs more experiences oh, of, of living yeah. life in other people's uh, culture, shoes, walking a mile, and trying to understand. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and so, I yeah, it's been a beautiful thing to be able to see my kids well, the, expand in that. The,
2: the interesting thing, you know, you talk about that. You, you, when we started this— you know, I could see where you could get the thought that I'm, you know, I'm here. God sent me. The white hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, the great white hope. And and you learn. You meet a, a sweet little old granny living in Walter P. Taylor Homes yeah. who lives, give us this day our daily bread at a level that I will never understand. Yeah, Who if somehow groceries don't show up on her doorstep, She's not eating today, and she's trusting God, and he uh, always comes through. Yeah. And you begin to realize that maybe I'm not all that I thought I was. Yeah, yeah. Keeps you, keeps you grounded in yeah. realizing that God is the one who supplies her needs and our needs and this ministry's needs. That's right. And, you know, every good and perfect gift comes from him.
0: Yeah. That's so good, Christian. You think we should do a couple of rapid fires as we? We're actually not doing them in the middle. We're going to kind of wrap yeah. up. We're going to wrap up with some, some, some rapid some fun. Yeah, why yeah, not? yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, Powell, that's what I call my grandfather. Powell. so Papo. Uh, <laughs> really enjoyed hearing what we've had to share today. Um, I heard some stories I hadn't heard. Yeah, it's uh, you. Sometimes hear a lot of the same ones uh, just through because they're easy to tell and they they kind of just wrap up. The story of your lives in Kiko, but it was cool to hear some that were very new to me. Um, but with that said, we're going to put you on the hot seat now. Okay. What is your favorite movie? The one you can watch at any point of time, regardless of where it is in the movie? It, it used to be Home Alone. Okay. For some
2: reason, I just enjoyed that. That's what we guessed. Yeah. But, you know, I've gotten to where I really enjoy Sister Act. Okay, and and that's the one that seems to come up over and over again, Sister Act One and Two, uh, and and it, ironically, it uh, it focuses on uh, kids who are very much like the kids we minister to, the the kids involved in the neighborhood and and in the school, especially in Sister Act Two, mm-hmm. are urban kids that uh, you know there's a connection there through music. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of cool. How fun! That is cool. Sister Act. Sister Act yeah. did not. Whoopi. Yeah, Whoopi. Did not. Yeah, Whoopi <laughs> I'm <did> not, <laughs> not. I'll be honest. I'm not a big Whoopi Goldberg fan, but I was, I was thinking
1: Home really... Alone. I thought he was gonna say yeah. Home Alone. Yeah. Did well, say, I did. Used to. Yeah, used to. Yeah. Um. Most influential book or person. Um. Uh, Jesus. Outside the Bible and Jesus. The Bible.
2: Outside the Bible and Jesus. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, I would have to go back probably first and foremost to uh, Billy Roy Moore. Mm -hmm. Brother Moore, I I used to think if I closed my eyes and tried to imagine what Jesus looked like, I would see John Millett and I would see Billy Roy Moore. Mm -hmm. They both just had this glow about them that... So personified. I remember I, I've I've been to a lot of churches, a lot of big churches, and the Lord's chapel was a pretty good size. It was well over thousand people. Wow. And uh in an old renovated house. But I remember uh on a Sunday morning brother Moore has given the scripture that he's gonna teach from today. He taught just chapter by chapter. Hmm. Did a great job and and uh, there were a couple of little boys sitting on the front row, and they're like looking through their Bible trying to find it and what does brother Moore do? He comes down from the pulpit and helps them find it and this big smile on his face when they when they got their place in the Bible, and then he went back up and started hmm. teaching. Hmm. You just don't see stuff no, like that I, don't. I mean he was probably one of the most real people I've ever met
1: yeah well i got I got two more okay. um go to comfort food uh chicken and dumplings mm. probably and my mom can make some she makes sure. some serious chicken and dumplings. Mean, my kids dude, love them they're too mean, dude. I will I will bite the bullet to to not feel <laughs> good the next day if you some chicken and dumplings cuz you're lactose yep, 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 yep. <laughs> uh and then this one I've not been on your paper but it is on our wrap up thoughts and I love this one uh what is something you wish you could tell your 22 year old self
2: mm Oh
1: my
0: goodness. This, it's a bigger gap for him than any
1: of our other no, guests. This is why I really wanted that. to ask. <laughs> we get more wisdom, I think. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. If you can remember that far back.
2: Well, I can remember that far back. Um, Christian's not getting a birthday gift this year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think I would have to tell my 22 year old self that um, things are going to be okay.
1: Hmm.
2: And and first of all, I, I I might be rather harsh to my twenty two year old self and say, You have no idea how stupid you are <laughs> at this point. You have no hmm. idea hmm. how little you know yeah. that you think you know. Hmm. And and yet it's gonna be okay. Yeah. That's so good. That's God's good. God's got it all in control. I, I came to realize, and I heard—I think it was Chuck Swindoll—the first time I ever heard him say it. You know, we hear people say, "I found Jesus." No, you didn't. He found you. Yeah. Just like he found me. I mean, you go back to the the week after I heard uh, Mike Nelson at the Lord's Chapel that Sunday night. Yeah. And by the way, we never did go to the movie. Uh, <laughs> he. He, I, I had lost my job because of the lifestyle that I had been living. Hmm. And I come home, and I go in and tell Janice that, you know, what's happened. And I have no idea, but I know who's in control. Wow. And I went back out to the car to get Mike's phone number. And I came back in, and as I reached for the phone, it rang. And you know who it was. That was Mike Nelson calling to set up that meeting at his apartment. Wow, and and I mean, you know, at some point you have to think, Hmm. all right, God, you have my undivided attention. Yeah, you you have connected with me, and I know there's more to this than what I see. Yeah,
0: so that's so good. I wish I could. Tell my 2020-year-old self, like my, my last year, that God's got it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he still does, even yeah, in 2021. Absolutely, he D- does. Despite the craziness that is going on in our world and the polarity that we see all around us, that, you know what, God's got it. It is bigger than any division that man could create. Yep. His purposes and plans are unique and wonderful, and no pandemic can squash them. Yep. Um, so that's a, such hope. Such not, hope.
2: A, not even a coaching hope. change. If the University of Tennessee can do that.
0: Oh, watch out now. You just hurt some people's feelings. I'm sure I did. (laughs) High on the high pole. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. But God's got it. And uh, we does. start with where we're at. Um, Absolutely. What He's uniquely crafted and created us for. And so, uh, again, just thanks, Dad, for joining us on here. Thank I'm you so much. Excited that we get to share this with others and, uh, and definitely continue to send us in your thoughts and feedback, things you would like us to talk about. Our email is coffeeconvospodcast at gmail.com.
1: Thanks to Bren, as always. Mm -hmm. We'll guys guys will see you in a couple of weeks. We'll hear you. You'll hear us. us. We won't see you. (laughs) All right. Till then. Bye.